You're listening to Family Life at Cornerstone. A weekly devotion about what is going on in the life of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. I'm Justin Wheeler. I'm the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And there are many things taking place right now in the life of the body. We're entering into that summer season. And I know that schedules are going to be difficult. People are going to be traveling. But one of the things that we're really excited about in the summertime is that we get to do specific ministry that we don't get to do throughout the year. For instance, one of those, Vacation Bible School. We love Vacation Bible School because we love teaching the gospel and teaching the Word of God to the children that God has given to us. And VBS is going to take place July 11th, 12th, and 13. And if you are interested in your children being a part of Vacation Bible School, you can go to our website. You can click on the Resources tab, and you can can get your kids signed up. You could also volunteer if you want to serve in some capacity. We usually already have all of our teachers and our worship leaders But there's a lot of different ways that you can be a part of this ministry, and so I would encourage you to do that. Also, there are some Bible studies that take place during the summer. There's mission trips that take place during the summer this year. Um, I'm taking a team of seven to Haiti, and that's going to take place at the end of June, early into July. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful trip. And then we've got some teaching things that are taking place, some summer sermon series as well as Cornerstone Academy. So, uh, at, during the Sunday school hour, all throughout the summer months of June and July, we're going to be working through, together as a church, we're going to be working through biblical theology. And, and biblical theology is different than systematic theology in that the, the goal of biblical theology is to show the unity of both the Old and the New Testament by revealing to us or, or exploring um, certain things that God has revealed to us so that we can know Uh, more about God, more about His Word, more about His grace, more about His love, and we can see those things as they unfold throughout the the work of Scripture. Uh, So biblical theology, that's going to start the first Sunday of of June. And then we're also doing a summer sermon series, which is actually going to kick off this particular Sunday, uh, the 27th of May. And that uh, summer sermon series is going to be over the doctrine of Scripture. And I'm going to be preaching a handful of times. Uh, our elders are going to be preaching. Jeff Solman's going to be preaching. I even have a friend of mine, Josh Wagner, pastor from Oklahoma, is going to come down. He's going to speak on that. So we've got a lot happening this summer. I hope you can be a part of these various ministries and even maybe even serve in some of them as opportunity allows you. Now, today we're going to continue in our study of Jerry Bridges' book, The Gospel for Real Life. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 14, and the title of the chapter is, We Shall Be Like Him. And let me me kick that off by asking, uh, well, just making a statement. I think it's true that at some point, every Christian has thought about what it will be like uh, to be in heaven. I mean, we thought about what heaven would be like. We've We've drawn our conclusions about this from many different sources. Some of us have heard particular sermons on this subject. Some of us have read the scriptures, and we know what the Revelation says about certain periods and, and, and scenes from uh, heaven. Uh, maybe, maybe we've seen movies, or even maybe you have a cartoon image in your mind of what heaven will be like. Um, but that's, just, that's a big discussion, maybe for a different day. That's not really what this chapter is about. This chapter is not about what heaven will be like. It's more about what we will be like 
in heaven. In fact, uh, in 1 John chapter 3, in verse 2, Jerry Bridges reminds us of this particular verse. He says this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now this is John, and he's talking to the church. He's helping them understand something about the future that is to come. And he wants not, not to talk about heaven, but to talk about the believer. He says that, it, let me read it again. He says, Beloved, we are children, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, that is Jesus, then we shall be like him, because we're going to see him as he is. See, there's the, there's the point of this chapter right there. There's coming a day when Christ returns, and when Christ returns, those who are believers, those who are his children, will be changed, will be transformed, will be made to be like him. Now, if this is new to you, it, it shouldn't be completely new, because we see this not just in 1 John, we see it in other passages of Scripture. You see it in the book of Thessalonians. You, you see it in 2 Corinthians. You see it in 1 Corinthians. You even see it in Romans chapter 8, where uh, the Apostle Paul writes um, that one of the purposes for which God began this whole work of redemption was to conform us to the image of His Son in order that we might be like Christ. And so likeness to Jesus is God's ultimate purpose for us. But here's the question. What does it mean to be like Jesus? Well, it means many things. It means several different things. And the first thing that Bridges points out in this chapter is that to be made like Jesus is first and foremost, it means to be like him in spirit. Like him in spirit. And this is a process that begins at our conversion, when we are converted to Christ, when, when we are made new, when we are a new creation or born again. It is a process that continues through our life as believers, which we, we call that sanctification, and we'll talk about that a little more later. And then it is a process that will be completed when Christ returns, like we just read in First uh, John 3, uh, it'll be completed when Christ returns. And when that day comes, the scriptures tell us that we will absolutely be transformed. Let me read another passage of scripture. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says this, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, meaning we as believers, we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Now this is explaining to us a little bit about that process that we now, um, as believers in Christ, are being transformed, but there's coming a day when we will be completely transformed because we will have an unveiled face and we will behold the glory of the Lord. Now this is interesting stuff here, really interesting stuff. Here's what I want us to do, though. I want us to get back to that middle part, right? There's three stages that we've enumerated that uh, what it means to be like Jesus in spirit. It, it begins at our conversion, it continues through our sanctification, and it will be completed when Christ returns. Let's go back to that middle section, and let's talk about that a little bit. And I'll ask this question. Do you feel, as a believer, do you feel like Jesus? 
Do you look like Jesus? Do you feel as though and believe and, and, and have the sense about you that you are right now like Jesus? Well, most of us would say in some ways, yes, but in many, many, many ways, no. In many ways, we, we still understand the struggle that remains in us, that struggle with indwelling sin. And on page 146, Bridges points this out. He says, we're struggling with remaining sin. It's a, a continuous internal conflict that's going on in our hearts between our desire to do what is good and the, the evil that lies within us, according to Romans chapter 7. Bridges says, we continue to struggle with pride and with selfishness and with impatience and we have a critical spirit, we have a sharp tongue, we have a lack of love and there are countless other expressions of our ongoing sinful nature. And even though we would affirm and understand from Scripture that the Spirit is at work in us, is transforming us, we are also understanding that our sinful nature is opposing that transformation and growth at every step. And then here's a really hopeful statement. We will have this struggle as long as we live in these bodies. Now, if you've been a believer for any length of time, you know this is true. The more and more we live, the more and more we're going to sense this, we're going to see this struggle taking place. And the more and more we live and grow as Christians, the more we will be convicted of our need to be more like Christ, more and more righteous. We're going to be convicted of righteousness. And the more we're going to be convicted of the sin that remains in us, keeping us from being more like Christ. It's a, it's a difficult place to be. The Bible talks about it in terms of it being warfare. It, it caused Paul to come to almost a point of despair at the end of Romans 7 where he said, uh, who can deliver me from this body of death? If we don't keep the gospel beneath our feet, this battle, this struggle can lead us to despair. And here's what I mean by that. If we don't keep the gospel beneath our feet, if we don't understand that the foundation, that the ground of our relationship to God is the gospel of God's grace, then when we, when we start battling with our indwelling sin, we can be led to despair because the closer we grow to Christ, the more sensitive we're going to grow to our sin, the more our sin is going to reveal itself. And so the gospel has to be the ground beneath our feet because sin is, is ugly and it doesn't go away and we're not going to be free from it until Christ returns. But then there's another reason that we need to keep the gospel beneath our feet. Let's say we have a good day. Let's say on this particular day it's not our sin struggle that's weighing us down so much as it is the fact that we've done something right. We, we honored the Lord in some particular way. We grew in some particular way. We were faithful in some particular way. We saw fruit in some way. This can also, if we don't keep the gospel of grace beneath us, it can lead us to pride. It can lead us to pride. Because we believe that in some way, we fail to believe that our relationship to God is based upon His grace. We might, we might begin to believe that our relationship to God is now better because we've done something good. It can lead to pride. Pride and despair are two enemies of the gospel. And we have to keep the gospel beneath our feet as we struggle in this life to grow to be more like Christ and grow to overcome and repent of our indwelling sin. So for now, I think it's safe to say that at points in this life, many of us, as we experience this struggle with sin, we long for the struggle of sin to be over. 
We want out of the fight. And and that brings up something that the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. It's something that Bridges brings up in his book. But in, in Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this desire to depart and be with Christ. And that, that brings up something really interesting. So we're going to talk about it. In Philippians chapter 1, in verse 23, Paul says this, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart. And, and he's suffering, right? He's suffering persecution, not just the battle with indwelling sin. He's suffering persecution in this passage. But he says, I, I desire, my desire is to depart from this world, to depart from life. He's talking about death here. Because he says to depart from this life is to be with Christ, and that is far better. That's an interesting statement. To depart is to be with Christ. Now, we long to be released from this warfare, and one of the reasons we long to be released from this warfare is because what Paul says here. And it's not just what he says here. He says something very similar in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8 when he talks about this. He says, We are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, what he's talking about there is being away from the body is to, to die, to go on from that middle stage of sanctification where we're struggling with sin and growth and go on to that point at which our transformation to be like Christ is complete. He's saying we, we long in our spirit, in our body, in our mind for that day to come. And many of us can say, yes, amen, I long for that day to come. I long for that day when I can be free from the bondage to this body of sin and be set free to be more and more like Christ. Now, the period that we, that, that we talk about, this, this stage of after death and before the return of Christ, is referred to as the intermediate state. The intermediate state. And I'm going to read something from R.C. Sproul in his little book, um, Essential Truths for the Christian Faith. He defines this intermediate state for us, and I thought it was really helpful. He said, at this intermediate state, the view holds that at death, the believer's soul goes immediately to be with Christ, to enjoy a continuous, conscious, personal existence while awaiting the final resurrection of the body. Now, he explains that a little bit differently. So, at death, the soul of believers is immediately glorified. In other words, your body goes into the ground, but your soul, which is not bound to the flesh, is not bound to the body any longer, goes to be with Jesus. They are made perfect in holiness and enter immediately into glory. Their bodies, however, remain in the grave awaiting that final resurrection that will be sparked by Christ's return. He goes on and he says, The state of the believer after death is both different and better than what we experience in this life, though not as different or as blessed as it will be in the final resurrection. In the intermediate state, we will enjoy the continuity of conscious personal existence in the presence of Christ. And so for the believer, death is this immediate emancipation from the conflict of life here on earth, struggling with sin, indwelling sin, and the brokenness of this world. And so you can see why many of us, many of you, would long, and, and Paul himself and other believers in the scriptures, why we would long to be absent from this body. Because to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord and free from this struggle. But here's a question. What, what's that going to be like? What is it going to be like to be in that intermediate state 
Well, there's a couple of things that the scriptures tell us. It tells us we will be with Christ. We will be in the presence of thousands of angels in joyful assembly, according to the book of the Revelation. Uh, We will be with believers of all ages, at least in a soul sense. We will be perfectly in that moment conformed to the image of Christ in our spirit. And we will be in a state that is far better than anything we can imagine. And we all want better especially when it comes to that. We want better. So what does it mean to be like Christ? Well, it means to be like him in spirit. And to be like him in spirit, is, it means that we are submitting our, ourselves to the word. We're, we're growing to be more like him in holiness and righteousness. But it also means that when we are absent from this body, in that intermediate state, we will be conformed to his image more, more clearly in our souls. But there's something more that awaits. So it's not just that we are going to be like him in spirit. But no, the text actually goes on. It says that we're going to be like him in body. Now I'm going to go back to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read a passage from Philippians 3, starting in verse 20. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says this, Our citizenship as believers is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So the context here is that we are awaiting a savior. We're on earth, we're still alive, and we're awaiting that time when Jesus comes. And and we already know that when Jesus comes, uh, we will be completely freed from bondage to this sinful body. So there's two ways that we're going to come into this. The scripture says either we are going to die and we're going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, or we're going to be present when Christ returns. And that's when Thessalonians tells us in the moment, in the the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise, and we who remain will be transformed in in the twinkling of an eye. And so it's not just our souls that's going to experience this transformation. It's also our body that's going to experience this transformation. But what's that going to be like? What is that going to be like? Um, well, just going on Paul's language here, he, he calls it our lowly body. Christ is going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So that, that brokenness that you feel, that pain that you feel, that, that struggle with sin that you feel, that decay that you feel, or the, the age that is just overwhelming your body, that will be no more. That's, that's part of the lowly body. And man, I've begun to experience that in some really significant ways. I remember a couple of years ago, one of our former elders here named Dean Waddle. Dean was a, just a man's man. He was a, a firefighter for many years. And um, I came into an elders meeting. And at the time, I was in my late 30s. I came into an elders meeting, and I had hurt my back. It was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like this. I had It was probably during a moving day or something, and I had... Uh, just hurt it really bad. I couldn't even stand up real straight without pain. And I remember coming into a meeting and I was holding my back and I was kind of hunched over and Dean asked me, hey, what, what's going on, Pastor? And, and I explained to him what was taking place and, and I, I looked into his face and I hoped to see some compassion and, and, and I saw him smiling and he gave a little bit of a chuckle and he said, well, well, welcome to old age. It only gets worse from here. And he's been right. I'm 41 now and I feel that pain all the more. 
Um, I got two boys right now. They're 12 and 10. I've got a daughter who's 14, but these two boys are actively involved in baseball. And so I'm coaching both of their teams or helping coach both of their teams, which means I'm, I'm pitching batting practice and I'm chasing down balls and I'm, I'm teaching and I'm instructing them out in the sun. And the truth of the matter is, it's just wearing me out. I'm ready for the season to be over, thankful for their success, but ready for this season to be over because this lowly body is feeling my age. Um, just getting out of bed sometimes is painful and difficult. And that's just the normal breakdown of the body. That's not to say anything to those out there who are really suffering under some ailment or some cancer or something like that. All of that is encompassed in that phrase, this lowly body, this lowly body that's subject to the brokenness of sin, to the decay of time. This lowly body is going to be transformed. See, our future body is not going to be like this lowly body. Our future body is going to be transformed and it's going to be glorious. It will be better. It will be like Jesus' resurrected body. And I can't wait for that. What does that look like? What is that going to be like? Well, we, we've got some of those passages in Scripture where we see, for instance, Jesus in the Gospels after he was resurrected. He was able to... Uh, move around and it didn't seem as though space and time were binding on him. He could appear in front of the uh, apostles, in front of the disciples in, the, in a particular room, even though the door was locked. He could just appear in front of them. Uh, we also know that he ate fish, uh, so his physical body was still capable of doing some of the things that our physical bodies require today. Um, we also know that they could touch him. He was not just a spirit. He was physical. He told Thomas to put his hands on the scars uh, where the nails had pierced his, his own hands. And he'd asked Thomas to touch his side. So we know some of those things. Jesus' body is no longer going to be bound in the same way that our bodies are bound. But also we know that his body, well, there's a mystery to it. The, the, the scriptures talk about this. It's probably better if we just stick to what the scriptures actually say than just speculating about what we're gonna, whether or not we're going to be able to fly or all that kind of stuff. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, hey, listen, you need to understand that what is sown is perishable. In other words, the body that goes into the ground is, is different than the body that is raised. The, the body that is sown into the ground is natural, but the body that is raised is spiritual, no longer bound by the natural limitations. He says this also. He says that this body that comes up out of the ground, this imperishable, is going to be immortal, never to die. Um, in, in Revelation 21, we read this. Um, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. So this existence and these bodies that we will have will experience all of that. The tears are wiped away, no crying, no mourning, no pain. Another passage in Revelation 22, no longer will there be any curse. And it's referring there to the curse of sin. The curse of sin will be gone. 
The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him and we will see him face to face and his name will be on our heads and there will be no more night. We will not need the light of, of a lamp or the light of the sun for the glory of God will give us light and we will reign forever. Now, one of the things that these passages are helping us to understand is not so much the details as it is the, the incredible difference between the bodies that we inhabit now and the bodies that we will have. There's a strong difference between natural and mortal and spiritual and immortal. Both are bodies, but they're different. Our perfected spirits, this is from Jerry Bridges on page 153, our per perfected spirits will then be at home in our immortal bodies. And what exactly this spiritual body looks like or how it functions, we don't know. We only know that it will be like Christ and it will be better. And that is our hope and that is our expectation. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't wait. I can't wait, and I'm sure you feel the same longing that I do. But the bottom line is we're not there yet. We're not at that stage. Right now, we're still in that middle stage of living and being conformed to the image of Christ through the means of grace, through the Word of God, through the power of the Spirit, through the blessing that comes through the preaching of the Word and spending time with other believers. And... and that's what we're going to be looking at next week. Next week, we're going to talk more specifically about the gospel and the work of sanctification. How do we grow in that, that state that we're in right now? How do we grow? Um, because we know this. We know Christ has left us here to worship and to serve and to make disciples and to be the light of the world. But he's also called us to grow in this time, to be more like him. How are we going to do that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Now, if you would like to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thanks for listening.